Welcome to the TMR Podcast with your host, James Fisher, Editor-in-Chief of the Miramichi Reader Online Literary Magazine. So sit back, relax, and put a bookmark in that book you're reading, no dog-earing, and enjoy the TMR Podcast. Hello, welcome to Episode 10 of Season 2 of the TMR Podcast. I'm James Fisher. Coming up on this podcast is an interview with uh, Carolyn Parsons, a Newfoundland writer, and uh, one I became uh, familiar with a few years back uh, with her book, The Forbidden Dreams of Betsy Elliott, which was uh, published by Flanker Press. We'll talk a bit about that in the interview and also about uh, the writing life and uh, what uh, the the, the power of writing and other things. So it looks like spring has begun here in Miramichi. The snow has pretty much receded. I've put away the snowblower for the year, all the shovels, done the tire changeover. I'm ready. I'm ready for it. I hope spring is uh, springing up where you are and across uh, Canada or wherever you're listening in from. And I thank you for tuning in. So in just a moment, we'll be talking with Carolyn. And uh, one other thing I want to mention that's uh, been very popular over at the TMR website, uh, the Miramichi Reader website, is a a short story by uh, Zoe Sutton Harris entitled, That Cat's Going to Be Trouble. It's one of those humorous, heartwarming, yet kind of sad stories um, that uh, many people love to read. If you're a cat lover, you'll identify with it. And it received a, a record number of views in one day, well over 200. And it's uh, gotten a lot of comments too. So I encourage you to go over to miramichireader.ca and look on the homepage. You'll find it there. That cat's going to be trouble. And have a little enjoyable read there. So we'll be right back in just a moment. Hi everyone, I'm Janice Landry, author of Silver Linings, a nonfiction book about how we can all use gratitude to help build our resiliency. And you're listening to the Miramichi Reader podcast. My guest in this episode is Carolyn R. Parsons, and she's a Newfoundland and Labrador author with a background in freelance journalism and is the owner-operator of Cabochon Manuscript Services. She served on the board of the Writers Alliance of Newfoundland and Labrador, Labrador until 2021 and is the author of six, six published books, including The Forbidden Dreams of Betsy Elliott, released by Flanker Press in 2019, and The Key of Impasto Novella, a slipstreamer's book by Engin, Engine Books in 2020. In 2021, she was chosen as one of 125 authors from around the world to have her entire body of work launched to the moon on the Peregrine mission via SpaceX and NASA as part of their lunar time capsule, Writers on the Moon Payload. The launch launch is scheduled for June 2022. She married Kent Chafee in front of 18,000 people in the Zamboni corner during the first intermission at an NHL hockey game in New York City in 2012, and together they have raised four children. Her next novel, a post-apocalyptic dystopian work entitled Desolate, was released through Engine Books in the spring of 2022. So let's welcome Carolyn R. Parsons to the TMR podcast. Hi, Carolyn. Welcome to the TMR podcast. Thank you. 
glad to have you here. I was just the other day, I was talking to another Newfoundlander uh, author, Carolyn Escott, or sorry, Helen Escott. Yes. <laughs> You're saying, who's that? Uh, I was like, hmm, related to Helen, I wonder? <laughs> <laughs> Helen Escott, and uh, of course, she's in St. John's, and you are where in Newfoundland? I live in Lewisport, which is in central Newfoundland, but kind of on the coast. Okay. Well, not kind of. I'm a block from the ocean, so okay. <laughs> we're very much on the coast. All right. Okay, good. So I've never been to Newfoundland, but it's uh, one of those things on my bucket list one day. Um, so I'm not too familiar with the layout of where things are in relation to. I know I know St. John's is really on the coast, but uh, so you're right. Well, you're Newfoundland is kind of a triangle, right? right. Mm -hmm. So um, the bottom right point is where St. John's is yeah. and the very top, you know, the, the peninsula, yeah. you know, that's the North. So mm -hmm. I'm sort of in between those two points. Okay. Uh, North, Northeast coast. Okay. All right. And yeah. you, you were born and raised there. I was born and raised on a little Island about an hour from here called change islands. Okay. And uh, yeah, that's where I grew up a little tiny place near Fogel, which a lot of people know where Fogel Island is. Um, it has the big five-star resort in and, oh. you know, it's Gander region. It's that area. Okay. And yeah. um, so you get, you drive about an hour from Gander and you get on a ferry and you, about 20 minutes later, you're at Change Islands. And that's where I grew up. Very small place. Okay. And uh, yeah. so, so what was it like growing up in a, in a small, is it, was that what you call an outport then? Like, it was uh, definitely an outport. My yeah. father was a commercial fisherman, cod mm -hmm. fisherman, uh, among other things, ground fish, I guess. He right. had a long liner for a while. He fished inshore. Mm -hmm. um, you know, he did all the all the different variations of fishing from uh, hitting the Labrador on a schooner when he was 11 years old or 10 mm -hmm. years old or something to, um, you know, cod traps to jigging and handline and yeah gill nits and yep he did it all and until he retired when the wealth in the 90s when the moratorium hit right. uh, mm -hmm. cod fishery was shut down and he was of retirement age so that's that's what he did that worked out well for him then uh yes it did and uh it uh you know for him not for a lot of people but for him he was okay because it was of his age yeah. um I was already away from home when that happened. Of course, I had already moved on. I was old enough to go out on my own, but mm -hmm. I still remembered it was devastating to the province and to a place like where I grew up. It was, uh, you know, but it managed to survive. There was a fish plant that uh, thrived and, and kept going somehow. And there was, mm -hmm. there are still fishermen there and longliners and uh, it's very small, but uh, it's still hopping. Still nice, beautiful, okay. lots of tourism now. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, uh, still go out there. My in-laws live there. My mother has her house still out there. So we still spend a lot of time out there. Nice. Nice. Beautiful. It's a different world. It's yeah. it's completely a different world. Yeah. Mm. Mm. And so um, Helen and I were talking about like what makes Newfoundland so unique uh, for authors. It's just like people love to tell Newfoundlanders, love to tell stories. It seems to be in your DNA kind of thing. Right? Right. And I think, you know, I think human beings love to tell stories. We're wired for story. We, we, 
want to tell people who we are and what we've been up to all the time. But mm -hmm. Newfoundlanders in particular, especially of a certain generation, um, you know, I grew up, there were two TV channels, there was no movie theater, there mm -hmm. was no uh, regular place to go for entertainment. Um, you know, the entertainment was what you made yourself. So that led to oodles on oodles of time and um, room for creativity. Yeah. I remember growing up with a gaggle of kids and we just kind of, we, we did plays and we, we set up, you know, different scenarios yeah. and, and acted them out. We mm -hmm. didn't know what we were doing. We had no formal and we wrote and we read and we, you know, that was, that was what we did. And we told stories and, you know, even the older generation, uh, when you don't have all those other diversions, you you gather around the store loft and tell a few yarns, or you yeah. you gather around the um, you know the kitchen table and have a a few drinks and yeah. play some music and and you know that's how you entertain yourself and mm -hmm. um, that was the life. And when you grew up in that, it's sort of you're marinated in it, right? That's right, just right. what you do. Mm -hmm. I I edit. Um, manuscripts um you know that's part of what i do and the stories that come in front of me are sometimes are just absolutely amazing and the people that reach out and say like there's just an endless supply of mm -hmm. uh writers it's unbelievable for such a small place it's it's you know a little bit shy about coming out and saying you know i wrote down some of my stories or i wrote mm -hmm. down some of my poems or i have a collection of my father's stories a little bit shy about saying it but um some gems in there so mm -hmm. yeah yeah we yeah, talked about think... the the vibrant art scene um like in in newfoundland and labrador and, and i guess particularly in st john's but um you know that there's creative writing courses at the university and you know all types of plays theaters going on um so probably uh, all... everywhere it's everywhere my daughter is a performer uh we're out on the west or the central part of newfoundland and you know we she does theater musical theater in gander she does all of her training mm -hmm. there dance um there are artists it, it there's uh arts communities in every little section of of the province st john's of course is the hub but it by no means is the only place in the province with it like it's vibrant mm -hmm. it's it's always happening even here in this town we've we've had before the pandemic of course you have to mm -hmm. qualify everything by that right. uh, we had a beautiful little music venue that i think is reopening in the fall where artists from all over would stop by on their tours and uh, it's just um you know and our local artists of course so you know it was it's just the way it is it, it seems to be everywhere uh, music, you know, you know, you're from the East Coast yourself, how music is just a part of the, you know, it's like the whole province has a theme song playing all the time. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, everybody can sing except for me. <laughs> <laughs> I'm the one that can't in Newfoundland, but uh, otherwise everybody can sing. So it's, yeah, it, it's just, I guess we have time and we have the desire to do it. And yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. Actually, I have, I have a confession. I'm not an East Coaster. You're not? No, you I'm, an, I'm an Ontario. Ontario oh, are you? Yeah. So, I lived in Ontario for 25 years. So. Yeah, and that was going to be one of my questions. Like, uh, whereabouts were you there in Ontario? I lived in Kitchener-Waterloo, Kitchener's 
I lived okay. in Kitchener, worked in Waterloo. So that's yeah. why I say both cities. They're for you know how close yeah. they are. Yeah. Uh, for 15 years. And then I moved west of there near Stratford. Okay. So I was in a wee little town called Shakespeare. And then I was in a wee little town called Tavistock. Okay. So, yep. That's... And that's where, before we came back here, I'd been up there 25 years. Okay. I'm, I'm more yeah. from the, the uh, Kingston area, the other end of Ontario, okay. Eastern yep. Ontario. But I moved out here, my wife and I, um, almost 15 years now. So, yeah. I feel like an East Coaster kind of. You've been there long enough now. I think it counts. You've, I think so. Depends, it depends yeah. who you ask, but you know, I don't ask yeah. too much. <laughs> yeah, don't. I didn't know. So I just, you could have just left me hanging and let me think yeah. so. I wouldn't know. <laughs> well, I mean, I, I have to, I have to tell people where I'm from. I, but I, I love it out here. And, <laughs> and that's why I kind of started the, uh, the Miramichi Reader, because there's, there's so much local East Coast writing I wasn't familiar with back in Ontario. Um, right. You know, you don't know there's there's a whole other world out, out on the Atlantic coast here. It's it's a bit of a struggle because even when I lived in Ontario, um, you know, I was hungry for it. Right. I wanted the stories from the people that were here mm -hmm. 25 years. I mean, you know, Newfoundlanders have that reputation. We go away, but we never leave. Right. And uh, so, you know, finding the books and if a story had a newfoundland author or was newfoundland themed we were on it <laughs> we had to get that book <laughs> but it was a struggle they're not everywhere unless they were published by big name uh, publishers and there was only a few newfoundlanders that were um we didn't uh, we didn't get the opportunity you know come back with your suitcase half full of books and pay the weight because mm -hmm. you couldn't get them but i think it's improved a lot and yeah. certainly um uh, being able to purchase books online has really made a difference yeah. because even the smallest publishers and independent published authors are are listing on on those platforms. So we mm -hmm. can get stuff now, but it was a struggle for a long time, both for the reader and the uh, writer to yeah. get their their yeah. work into. And I'm sure I'm sure because of it, we missed some treasures, you know, that would have gone on to, you know, become bestsellers and in bigger markets had they had the opportunity in in the past 30 40 years you know yes undoubtedly so, so I, i'm glad that it's opened up even even back you know uh, when we were younger in high school like we we read uh like margaret lawrence i i certainly remember that reading stone angel and uh stories like that but i mean there's probably all kinds of other authors or like you say books and publishers maybe there wasn't a lot of uh a lot of independent publishers at the time. I, I can't really comment on that. I don't know because I wasn't, you know, really aware of it back then. But but now there seems to be all kinds of little publishers. and Yeah, and I think they've grown out of a necessity, right? Uh, a lot of the independent publishers started out as somebody who wrote a book and couldn't get it published. And so they saw an opportunity. Well, if I can't, Maybe there are others and mm. saw that opportunity and, and built businesses around that. And thankfully so, because, you know, after a while, they become uh, um, a choice for the writer to to get their work out there. So, yeah, mm -hmm. I'm very grateful uh, for that. And as time goes on, some of them have moved into bigger distribution and they're across the country now and yeah. in different markets. So it's it's really good. Yeah. Any I, growth in, in the arts industry, I always see as a good thing. Right. Definitely. Definitely. Um, so let's talk a bit about uh, your writing. 
um, in, in your interest in writing, when did that sort of begin or start to flourish? So, uh, so, so interesting, because I have to do this um, research on some of that. And I was like, when did I really start to write? I mean, I've, you know, everybody dabbles when they're a kid, if they're a little bit, you know, Mm -hmm. uh into the arts and the, they have a little bit of interest in reading then you know they're going to dabble in writing writing poetry but i wrote my first attempt at a novel when i was 16 um and i think that was when i realized the power of it um i wrote a, a novel it was very short probably didn't qualify as a novel but it had like 40 50,000 words okay and i let a friend read it and she cried like a baby really? because, oh, yes, she wept. Because it was so she, good. Well, she just fell in love with the characters. And then, of okay. course, I killed one. I killed one off. <laughs> I killed off a really a character. And I, I think that um, not realizing that that would, you know, cause that yeah. kind of reaction. But it made me realize. And I, I grew up in the era. And for some background, I grew up in the era of. Uh, the Outsider, Susan Hinton, so in the oh, 80s. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And so that was the kind of literature they were writing then for young adults. And uh, of course, in, in The Outsiders, Johnny dies in the fire. So, I mean, I was, I was you know, I came up in that uh, mm -hmm. sort of, that's what, you know, you try, you know, drama and tragedy, right? Yes. And, um, and teenagers. And so that was the sort of bend of it was, you know, young people, only it was set in Newfoundland. I mean, it was a Newfoundland book. And uh, she read it and she just cried and cried. And I'm like, she's telling me, I cried so much. I couldn't even talk about it. She said, I can't believe you killed him. <laughs> I was like, well, that, but, it, but it, what it did to me was made me realize the power of that, yeah. that that's what books do. And that's what good writing does is it's not about the grammar and it's not about the, it is a little bit, but that's not what it's about, the emotion and the message mm -hmm. and and invoke, evoking, evoking the, the feelings and the, you know, the heartbreak and the, the love and the laughter and, and, you know, the human experience, right? Yeah. So I think that's when I really realized the power of it. But, um, and then I wrote, you know, on well, all through high school and I was, you know, school, you have to write for school. And then I didn't write a lot for a lot of years. Uh, I had, I have four children. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, and I did start a blog. I had that and, but I didn't write a lot for a long, long time. And then when my youngest went to junior kindergarten, I wrote my first novel. Oh, okay. So I was 40. And forty, what? yeah, more than forty. I was in my forties. Okay. So I did that, and uh, it was published by a small press that doesn't exist anymore. And uh, from that, since then, I've been writing pretty regularly. So um, probably the, the book that I know you from is the Forbidden Dreams of Betsy Elliott, which that's was... the first one. Yes, that's the first one that I published in Newfoundland. Okay. So I was, was still living in Ontario. And that was 2018, yeah. 2019? Somewhere. 2019 yeah. um, came out in around this time of the year in 2019 and through Flanker Press. Right. And it's historical fiction drama. Um, some people call it romance, but it's not really. Yeah. Um, there's, there's a love 
angle to it but of course you know that right. happens in books anyway yeah. um and it happens in life but uh that's not what it's really about it's about you know the family and mm-hmm. and the woman betsy elliott and her decisions and right and her uh, strengths and her weaknesses and complications of life back then and the limitations that women had so and so and, where uh, where did that story come from that story came from stories come from interesting places uh, my grade four teacher her name is linda peckford um she was miss white back then um was always a mentor and an influence of mine and after i moved back to newfoundland i went to visit her she lived here in Lewisport then and we had a great chat and she was telling me about how my wa- my grandmother who is long past used to walk as a young woman from where we lived up to the well that was a good walk away <laughs> and um and how she did that you know to get water mm-hmm. for the family she had 12 children and she did that and so she was telling me that and i was like holy cow she used to walk up there like i knew where it was and it was yeah. a long ways to go for water when the well would dry up right and that was the start of it. And if you read the book, you might remember yeah. that the opening is Betsy walking to the well. Now, that's really the only part. That's where it came from. Yeah. But I just the resilience and strength of the women doing what they had to do. Right. And right. Um, and then I also had this thought that there's a heck of a lot of books written about the women who, you know, stay and live that life and don't have any options but what if they had an option? Mm. What would they do? Yeah. And so that was kind of the theme that I was going for. Let's give her some choices and see what she does. Mm. And of course, at the time, I had no idea what her choice was going to be. The whole time I wrote it, I did not know. I thought I would let the book lead me. Yeah. And uh, was let Betsy lead me. And of course, so I was as surprised as anybody uh, by the ending, uh, which I won't say because there's still people who haven't read it. Right, right. But um yeah, so that was kind of what the story's about. Um, and uh, she does make a choice at the end, and it's sort of got a few twists on the way to that choice. And uh, that's how that came to be. And and it's done fairly well for me. Um, yeah, people it, still send me notes that I just read Betsy, and I thought it was great. So and it's still available, right? Still available, yeah. Flanker Press. It's on Amazon, of course, yeah. and through their website. And, you know, there's still a few places around you can pick it up. But, you know, it came out in 2019 and shelf space goes away after a while. Yeah. But yeah. it is still in print and uh, still available. Okay. I'll put a link yeah. to it on the uh, on the webpage when uh, when I post this podcast. There'll be a link to yeah. it. Um, yeah. Oh, that'd be great. So, so going back to, you said you let Betsy just sort of lead you. Um, to you know the direction of the story and that's what's always i find as a as a non-writer as a, as a reader i always have this preconceived notion that the person sitting down to write knows the story from beginning to end and just sits down and writes it <laughs> and then goes back and do. edits it of course but a, a lot of people do uh and and that's fine i am not uh, that good of at planning i do some sort of planning like i sort of have a i know my characters really well and i kind of have a sense of you know a to b to so far but i don't like to sit with that too closely because i 
like the organic uh, surprise, the surprises that come along the way. That's yeah. and and for me, sitting down and 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 writing is hard work. I that's not the part that I like. So for a lot of people, they don't want to do all that rewrites and oh my, I wrote all this and now it's no good because I, you know, it changed. Yeah. They want to plan it out. For me, I like the editing part, which is why I do editing. Mm-hmm. Um, I like, I've got a book now that I've got to rip apart because I decided to change nearly everything about the whole thing. And I will, and I'll enjoy that. I'll love bringing that into what I want it to be. Right. Um, so for some people, they don't like rewrites. I love them. So this is someone That's else's book me. you're talking about. But no, this one of my own that I've, oh, I've drafted okay. and I'm completely changing a whole lot. I'm getting rid of a character. I'm doing a whole lot of stuff. It hasn't seen an editor yet. I'm an editor, so I'm doing it for, you know, it will still go to editing because it still needs other right. other people to look at it. But so my process is, and, and I'm a fairly fast writer despite that. Uh, once I get there, once I know where it's going, I, I can lay it out pretty fast. Uh, but no, I like to I like to let that come to a degree. I always know, okay. but I do like to. Um, yeah. I, and like with Betsy, it was 100 percent. She and, led the story. Yeah. It changed. If you saw the first draft to the last draft, it already recognizable as the oh, same. Yeah? Story. Really? Yeah. Yeah. I changed That's- a lot. But it was um, it was it's a very good book to read. I mentioned it was well paced, and it was definitely you could tell, you can tell a well edited book because it just moves along at a good clip, and it you know. Well, I had a fantastic editor. My editor was Donna Morrissey. Oh, okay. There you go. So I hit the jackpot, um, and you know, a good editor. This is my thought on that. Is a is who you learn the most about writing from. You have to have good instincts and you have to have your own skill set and you have to have, you know, you have to have a good um, grasp of how to write a story. But when you get into the nuts and bolts of it and having a, a really good editor, they can make you see things in a different way. Right. It's a consultant job, right? It's yeah. it's about, okay, did you ever think about looking at it this way? And, you know, there could be a turn of phrase, but that's only a little piece of it. It could just be, you know, they see the character a little different. Doesn't mean they change the essence of the book. Quite a lot of what Donna suggested, I didn't actually do, but I, I would look at it and go, okay, I see where she's going, but maybe if I did this, like I, so it made me think about what I wanted to do more so than telling me it wasn't prescribed. It was suggested. Right. right? Yeah. And, and that is, she was a fantastic editor because of how, and we worked really well together. And of course we kind of, we don't write the same things, but we're both Newfoundland writers. And, you know, my book was very much entrenched in the Newfoundland um, culture. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, um, we work well together and, and, you know, I was very fortunate to have her yeah. and, she, you know, historical fiction. So she had that um, knowledge to bring to it as well. So, yeah, 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 it was uh, well edited. And of course, then the detailed editing got done by uh, um, the staff at Flanker who okay. published it. So, Good. you know, there's a lot of layers. Bef- the, oh, yeah. the author is just, just lays it out and <laughs> then everybody else uh, helps mold it and and polish it up a little bit okay now uh so let's move on to your newest book desolate desolate totally different goes mm-hmm. in the future now i am not a genre uh author uh in in 
that I don't stick to one. I'm a hopper. <laughs> I go mm -hmm. from historical fiction to family fiction to epic to, and this one is uh, essentially post-apocalyptic dystopian type fiction to a degree and a total diversion for me. Uh, but I wanted to write it. Um, again, it came out of the era that I grew up in, Gen X, Cold War, yeah. um, mm -hmm. and that always um, wondering, you know, knowing uh, the, the nuclear threat was always there. I mean, we were in Newfoundland and we'd always been hit during wars, so why not? You right. know, that was sort of the... Yeah. And um, two pieces to that one as well. I had a recurring dream when I grew up of a warship off my cove where I lived, I would have this dream and there would be a warship off the cove. I don't know what, the, it, that was it. That was basically it. it was, and it was terrifying. Like, oh my gosh, they're coming sort of thing. Okay. And then a few years ago also, I was involved in um, refugee resettlement here in the province. Okay, yeah. Mm -hmm. and, and during the course of that, of, we encountered a lot of people who were resistant to that, you know, not understanding that oh. these were just ordinary people who had their lives ripped apart. Right. And I and, you know, the thought that came out of that was, what if that happened to us, though? Like, they're just like us. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. so those two pieces sort of is, is what I put together. Um, you know, it's it's a bunch of Newfoundlanders who now have to, you know, do we stay? Do we flee? Do we? and deal with uh, what has happened, which is, of course, a catastrophic event. So mm, okay. uh, that's what that story is about. It's still very much um, embedded in the Newfoundland culture, of course, adjusted to account for it being in the future. Mm -hmm. 2047, so not that far in the future. No, 2070. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so, yeah, it's just my best guess. I hope I'm wrong. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and it's available now, Carol? Any time. It's coming out any day now. Okay. I believe the official um, launch date is the 16th of April. I think that's the date that's there. But, okay. you know, everything's in, kind of up in the air because things can get delayed. We live on an island out here. So, you know, print is delayed behind a little bit. So. Yes. But I think it's I think it's available right now. It's available on Amazon. I have a copy. So oh, I got one copy for me. <laughs> <laughs> so one. I think it's available right now in paperback, but it'll come okay. out, of course. And it's available for for pre-order on Engine Books. Engine Books is publishing this one. OK, um, they do more of that kind of fiction here in the province. And uh, so I thought they were a good fit for that kind of book. So they have it available available for pre-order on their website, enginebooks.com, I think okay. it is, or .ca. And engine is spelled E-N-G-E-N. -E okay. Not engine, like, right. no, in a car. Okay. So, I'll, put a yeah. I'll put a link to uh, uh, as well. Yeah, that. yeah. I'll make sure you have all the links you need. Um, so that one's coming out, like I said, anytime now. Okay, good, good. Mm -hmm. And, and they're all you... going to the moon. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, that's right. That's right. Tell us about that, because I was speaking to... Um, the name uh, michael uh no, no. michael bluen michael bluen yes thank you i was speaking to him and i for totally forgot to ask him about the that nasa uh, uh thing right so writers on the moon is a 
uh, initiative by an American uh, sci-fi author named Susan K. Quinn. And she um, bought space on a payload to the moon and invited 125 authors to uh, participate. And I was one of the authors invited to participate. Wow. And it basically is a file that contains all of our written works that we want to include. Okay. And if we had enough space, we could invite um, other people to participate. You know, if, if there was enough space, we had an allotted amount of space on the, the file card. And mm -hmm. so um, Mike came to me and asked me about it, what, what it was. And I told him, he was like, oh no, and he missed it, right? So when I found out we could have stowaways as we call them, yeah. I invited Mike to uh, send me a copy of his book and and a cover, and we'd include it in the in the payload. So Mike's book is there. My book, my daughter's poetry book. Uh, a couple of friends of mine sent me uh, some of their work. Andrew Chin is an author from. She's originally from Newfoundland, but she lives in England, and she writes these uh, massively <laughs> beautiful books that are historical fiction, contemporary fiction is really interesting what she writes. Mm. And uh, she's published through uh, HarperCollins, I believe. Okay. And uh, so she included her, one of her books and, or a poetry book, I think. And my friend in the U.S. included her uh, poetry. So yeah, I had some stowaways and Mike was one of them. So he's one of my writer buddies. And, um, and I love his work. He writes yeah. totally different stuff than I write. Yeah. Yeah. But I love his work. But I don't read uh, the genre that genres that I write in as much as a lot of people do. I read okay. all over. I'm okay. very what I read is not what you would expect. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so 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 all these books yeah. are actually on the moon. They will be. The launch will. will happen in 2022. Uh, it's not set. The date is not set. Um, it's the Peregrine mission. Uh, lander mission, I should say, the Peregrine lander mission, and it's going mm. on a SpaceX rocket. Um, and it's, of course, all in conjunction with NASA, uh, NASA, NASA. Yeah, not the not NASA. That's not the Bahamas, thing. not the Bahamas. <laughs> and um, so uh, it's actually going on two missions because one of the participants, uh, one of the 125 um authors mm -hmm. purchase space on a second mission so that we'd have that redundancy so if one doesn't make it we have oh. the second one and that one goes next year i think 2023 so because these are complicated things the peregrine mission is the first commercial mission so it's entirely funded by um private industry as opposed to government mm -hmm. so that's why it has paid payloads and oh, yeah. it's scientific mostly scientific equipment um, and a lot of this is is um part of a bigger nasa um undertaking because they've decided you know that a part of their new mission is to do more lunar um you know 
landings and, okay. and explore exploration and stuff. Okay. So it's all sort of coordinated. So you will be seeing lots of things go to the moon in the next few years um, as part of a big plan. I don't know what they have plans for the moon. We gotta, we gotta get up there. It's up there. We gotta be up there. <laughs> That's human nature. We're all pioneers in some way and gotta go yeah. out and find the next, the next thing. I mean, I was, I'm in Newfoundland where all of us in North America, except for the people who were already here, um, had that, let's go see what's over there. <laughs> Chip, yeah. You know, we have to go check that out. So <laughs> now we're going to the moon because, we, you know, and Mars and all that. So, yeah. um, so my books will be on the moon hmm. and uh, uh, along with a few other authors, there will be some um, web presence. There's a website that's being done to, you know, feature our books and okay. uh, no rush on that. Certainly since, you know, the, the, launch isn't for at least six months probably before they was you know delay after delay the yeah. pandemic really slowed a lot yeah. of things down yeah. and uh we can't rush these things right but right. Uh, at some point there will be a launch and and i will be watching <laughs> so um one last thing uh you haven't started up a new uh business i did and i've been asked <laughs> it sort of felt to me because I've been asked to do editing and, and manuscript work and book coaching and, and all kinds of stuff over the course of, you know, just randomly sort of thing. Mm -hmm. And then finally, I, I got to the point that I thought maybe I should start doing this commercially as a part of my business time. I'm getting more time. My kids are growing up. I uh, can't have it interfere with the writing, but I, I knew I had enough time to uh, do some more of that mm -hmm. and so because you know when you write you write on spec basically you write a book and you got to get it published and you're doing all this you don't get any anything back until you sell the book right? right um whereas editing is you know it's a job you you pay and i absolutely love it i absolutely love editing and working with authors and i've always done it to a degree usually for no money yeah <laughs> and um I wish I could do more of it, but you know, you can't, you can't sacrifice paid time for free time. And so I thought I'm going to just hang out the shingle and, and start this business. So I did and uh, um, got some funding to help me get going. And uh, um, yeah, it's, it's officially started and I've been editing like crazy. I've, I'm working primarily right now when I'm working on our memoirs. Okay. Uh, life, life stories, family histories, memoirs. Very popular. So a lot of people, yeah, it's very popular. And a lot of people for different reasons want to, and, and with the, you know, the self-publishing becoming so much easier and you could do it for basically free now. Mm. Um, people want to gather their family stories and they want to write their memoirs and people have some really interesting lives and, mm -hmm. And it's a way of helping them capture that. And if they're willing to invest, then that's great. I'm willing to help. Um, and I've just found so far, I've, I've been working with several people and I've just found gems of stories. They're mm. just amazing what people have, you know, accomplished or overcome. Or, and uh, of course, most of them aren't writers. You know, not yeah, every person, right. with a, every person has a story, but not everybody's a writer, mm -hmm. but if they can get it on paper, if they can get it to some um, document somewhere and put it in some sort of order, that's where I, that's where I come in. I do developmental right. editing to help them 
get it to the point where they want it. If they want it for professional, you know, publishing later on, then we can work towards that. If they want it just to have to give to family, that's a different, right. you know, they may not want to invest as much if that's, you know, so, but I work with them. I do manuscript evaluations where they send things, but I also do fiction. I'll do fiction and, um, you know, I try to do what I know. Right. So, and I'm working on my own memoir. So, you know, but I've edited more memoirs. I haven't written many. I've written stories about myself, but I haven't mm. written a whole book. Uh, but memoir is very, it's very different and uh, it's very personal. And it's one of those jobs where you feel honored because they're sharing such yes. intimate and private and personal things. And they, you know, quite often the first time they will, and I usually do two passes of a developmental edit just because I found with memoirs, they will gloss over the tough stuff mm. and the tough stuff's what we need. Right? right. So I send them back with homework and saying, you really, you couldn't have gone through this and have two paragraphs like this needs to be two chapters. Yeah. And, and they will go back and they will come back with beautiful and very poignant and detailed, you know, accountings. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, this is, you know, and they're like, it was so hard to write. And I'm like, I can tell. Yes. And that's why you had to write it. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And so, so okay. that's and what I've been doing lately. Mm -hmm. So uh, just tell, tell us the name of your business. It's Cabochon Manuscript Services. And the name of the business comes from, uh, it's a gem that's polished in a certain way. Mm. And so I just um, thought that was suitable for the business. And uh, yeah, uh, it, you know, I run it under my own name for the most part because right having the presence in the community, um, working with the Writers Alliance for so long and, and just being in Newfoundland and being yeah. one of the writers here. So, um, yeah, I've been doing that lately a lot and I've enjoyed it so much and I'm working Good. on a book and always, always at it. <laughs> Good. Excellent. <laughs> Gotta be busy. <laughs> yes. So it's always good to uh, check in with different authors, see what's going on, what they're doing and yeah, I really enjoy what you're doing, James, with your podcast and the reviews and all of that. I, I really do uh, like the podcast and uh, listen to all your episodes after I realized you had one and <laughs> uh, started listening and, and went through your entire selection for oh, yeah. the Michaels. And yeah, yeah, I haven't now. I, I'm probably behind now, but I had up to a certain point listened to okay. what you had on your, your so catalog there. So. My plan for for this one with yourself is to be a mid like mid April. I'm looking at. Okay. So, so probably right around the book. Set. Yeah, good. So that coincides well, and, uh, yeah. and like I said, I'll include links to to your books, past, present, and uh, as well as your business editing business there. Yeah, I'll send you whatever you need. I I've got some. Uh, finally got some promotional materials coming together now and okay good uh, like i just did the bio to include the business and you know you have to rewrite everything making yeah. content for my website and all that so now that that's coming together all of that information of course i can use it to uh, send to you and other people Excellent. as well so yeah good. i'll make sure you get all that okay well thank you very much carolyn that was it's been great talking to you and uh and learning a bit more about the writing process and uh and, and what drives you and what uh and what excites you about uh, the writing and the editing. It's great. It's, great always, it's always fun to talk about it. So yeah. I, I appreciate the opportunity. <laughs> Writers like to talk. That's what I we like. Do. We do because we're all by ourselves all the time. And then <laughs> suddenly somebody wants to talk to us and we're like, ah! I know. so, <laughs> <laughs> so you uh, can't shut us up, but then we're quiet. 
95% of the time, yeah. right? So well, it makes, yeah, we my make job, makes my job easier when you want to talk. That's for sure. I just there have to go. ask a question. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Thanks again, Carolyn. All right. Thank you. Enjoy the rest of your evening. Good evening. You too. Bye-bye. Bye. That's all for episode 10 of the TMR podcast. I thank you so much for listening. I thank you too for sharing this podcast, for leaving feedback, and uh, for rating it wherever possible on whatever platform you listen to this podcast on. I also appreciate uh, those of our um, Patreon accounts, contributors as well, who contribute monetarily so that... Uh, we can afford to keep the website running and improve it bit by bit. And we thank you, too, that uh, you support this uh, podcast. So from myself, James Fisher, and everyone else at the Miramichi Reader, I thank you for listening, and we'll see you next time. TMR, the Miramichi Reader. Canada's best regarded source for the finest in new literary releases. Visit miramichireader.ca.